welcome to Ben the Knee, a Song of Ice and Fire podcast. I am Sir Matt, the Bud Knight. And I am Sir Jimmy of House Nuts. And today on our wonderful podcast, we are joined by a guest. That's right. We have Kale Easy over on TikTok. Nikki, you've been on the show before. A lot of fun to have you back again. How are we doing today? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you for thank you for having me back. Um, yeah, I'm I'm great. I'm excited to sort of get chatting about House of the Dragon and, and yeah. mainly see what you guys think as well. Yeah, ab- yeah, ab- absolutely. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, I just want to dive in and just sort of like general thoughts. I mean, you also went to the premiere. Uh, we talked about that just a little so bit cool. before we hit before we hit record here. So, if you want to talk about that for maybe a couple of minutes and say what that was like, yeah, um, that that was insane because I'd. I sort of, it started off as a joke. Um, I, I made a joke video on TikTok, like, oh, where's my, where's my invite? Um, and then I kept pushing and then Sky TV um, in the UK. So they, they run Sky Atlantic, which is where we watch HBO shows. Um, they messaged me on TikTok and were like, hey, yeah, we've got some tickets for you. Um, so that was, that was crazy. Um, I, I definitely cried all evening um and then had to like i sort of freaked out you know what am i gonna wear all this kind of stuff so that was admin side of things um and yeah so we we got there um we did go down the red carpet it's very separate um as i was saying just before we started um they have like the um the important people and then the sort of less important people <laughs> um, we were the less important people but they let you kind of like wander down at your own pace everything sort of kept moving um and then you sort of get onto the red carpet where all the um sort of cast and crew are um and they're doing interviews and taking photos and that kind of thing um and that was awesome. Like that part doesn't take too long. You, like I say, you're kind of kept moving, but the atmosphere was insane. So there's sort of like staging that they'd done for it. There were like castle walls everywhere. Um, they had, you know, the, the sort of music kind of play. It wasn't because I kind of, when we got there, thought it was just going to be like the Game of Thrones soundtrack that we'd heard before. And it wasn't, we kind of got a sneak peek of all the music we were going to hear in the show. Um, and then as you, you sort of go in, they throw drinks and popcorn at you. Great. Um, you kind of sit down, you watch the feed from, you know, what's going on outside. And then the cast came, came in and said, hello, they left. And then we got to watch the first episode after we'd put our phones in little, um, sealed bags and promised, uh, Pinky promised that we wouldn't spoil anything. Um, so yeah, we got the first episode and then we got a sneak peek of, what else was to come um, for the rest of the episode uh, or the rest of the season. And that was really fun for me because I think last time I came on, we sort of talked about, I wonder how they're going to play this plot out. And I wonder how they're going to show us this interpretation of things. And you just got little sneak peeks of, oh, oh, they're going down this route. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. But the worst part about it was sort of sitting on that for two weeks. And obviously, yeah. you know, everyone on TikTok knew that I'd been, um, and I was kind of being poked for, oh, just just give us a little crumb of of something. And I, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't do that. Um, so that was crap. I kind of had all these little theories and, and exciting ideas in my head. And I really had to keep quiet for two weeks. But the actual experience of being at the premiere was, it was awesome. Um, I had so much fun. Um, and I'm really, I'm, I'm, I still can't believe I got to go. I'm so grateful for that. So, um, yeah. 
That's, well, so, that, that's so cool. And here's the hope in, for a season two premiere invite. I mean, that would be that'd great. Be amazing. Right? Yeah, that'd be really, really cool. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah if, if anyone's watching that and has power over tickets, that's, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. I'm Make sure it happen. It can be free. <laughs> yeah, yeah 20 hey 2024 you know if the if Absolutely. we get if we season two you know although with all everything going on at hbo and warner brothers who and it's all up in the air right now exactly. uh is 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 what yeah. it seems like so okay so you got to watch the episode one two weeks before everybody else and then you know sort of sort of sitting on it so i guess what was your what, what were you kind of thinking after you like just the episode itself. Like after you saw episode one, of course, you obviously had the experience too of seeing it at the premiere. But so like what, when you walked out, like what were you thinking about like, um, episode one? When I, when I walked out, um, I, <laughs> my poor friend, um, we're kind of like walking through London and I was like, did you see this? Did you see that? I think this is going to happen. <laughs> um, and then I kind of said to her, right, I need to sleep on this. Um, because A, I've got to sort of record some content and sort of tell everyone, hey, I've done this and this is what my first impressions were. Um, and B, I know I'm so super excited and jaded right now. I don't want to sort of just ride on that and let that influence my opinion. Um, so yeah, I suppose as I was watching it, given how disappointed I think a lot of us were with season eight, my worry was at the what what is this going to be and I think one of the things that I said in my sort of takeaway video on TikTok was I was genuinely nervous for that first sort of 15-20 minutes everything was really bright we were looking at two teenage girls giggling in a garden under a tree and everything was very very lovely and I was panicking I kind of thought you've, you've missed the mark on what this is um and it was when we get to the tourney, as um, Queen Emma is giving birth, and the maester says to um, Viserys, like this, you know, that this is going really, really wrong. Um, your wife is going to die, but we could save the child potentially. Again, I'm still kind of thinking, well, yeah, that's that's kind of normal for that time. We've kind of seen similar things in Game of Thrones, or we've, we've heard about it. The minute they pulled her down on that bed and she had yeah. no idea what was going on straight away. I thought, Oh my God, we're back in Westeros. Mm -hmm. And just that, that scene in itself was like, Oh my God, these guys know what they're doing. They know where we are. They've led us into this sort of false sense of, Oh, the Targaryen dynasty was so lovely and everyone had so much fun that in that moment I knew, okay, this, they, they know where they're going with this. And it just, it just sort of set the tone for me, if that kind of makes sense. It was just in that very, very short segment. But right before then, I was literally, I don't know. I don't know if, I don't know what, if they know what they're doing. Yeah. But yeah, if that kind of makes sense. Um, yeah, it definitely makes sense. Because like that time, we're talking about you know, almost a century of peace, you know, yeah. never before seen in Westeros since the first men. And uh, it did kind of feel a little bright, kind of giggly and uh, almost optimistic as a word yes. I would probably use to describe it. And this story is very much about that fall from grace and, uh, pe you know, people living in this age of peace and not realizing that the consequences of their actions can ripple throughout the entire continent and through all of these people. Um, and I do think that episode you're right. I think episode one does capture that like tone change uh, in, a, in a great way. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you know, the line, like looking back at it now, 
um like the you reek of dragon right it's just like like even that like one yeah. or you smell it you that it's just like such a huge difference between that and game because everything we see in game of thrones is like oh the dragons are like bad business and then here it's like oh yeah you smell like dragon and it's just it's definitely a mm -hmm. sort of a, a a different a different shift so what did you uh so what did you think okay so you again saw it two weeks before everyone else and you had to sit on the on the whole like the prophecy of the song of ice and fire yeah that that was tough um and i really really liked that because i suppose when you're going back that far in time when we've just had a decade of <clears throat> um you know what we trying to think what year we were in game of thrones um but when you sort of jump that far back you're dealing with a completely different um you know time timeline family etc i didn't i was kind of worried that it was going to be too disconnected if that makes sense. So that little addition at the end, I thought that was brilliant to kind of tie it all in, um, especially because now the question is, what what's going to happen with that knowledge? Because Danny didn't know it, as far as we're aware. Um, you know, John would never have been made privy to it. it. Everything sort of unfolded in Game of Thrones as it happened. So, yeah, I, I really enjoyed that. I think that's a really good sort of overall plot driver. Um, and I'm really interested to see where that goes. And that was another thing that I was kind of like, really, really wanted to tell people about and kind of say, it was it was almost sort of significant in telling us that they've watched Game of Thrones uh, or they, you know, they've read the sort of source material and they're really trying to link it all in and keep it as similar as possible, if that makes sense. It, like I say, it was that sort of, I was worried about a disconnection. So just that little addition, I think it, it just made all the difference. Yeah. yeah, and it's a huge and it's a huge plot driver, at least so far as we've seen in season one. I mean, I never thought that Alice at Hightower would be the one who hears about the prophecy of ice and fire. And that's what's going to sort of be a motivation for her to think that this is the reason Aegon needs yeah. to be. Yeah. And that's why she turns into Melisandre, obviously. Okay. Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm still in our ice the, theory uh, mode. Is she not the Night King? I thought that uh, was everyone's the night right. king. Everyone, everyone, everyone is the night king. Um, well, speak, uh, speaking of Allison, um, you know, I think the books sort of, and gosh, I mean, we've just thought for years and years until this show came out that Allison, the book, she, you know, from what we get, she just sort of comes across as kind of like evil. Uh, yes. you know, I, yeah. So what, I mean, I think she's probably the biggest sort of difference between the books. Um, yes. So, I mean, what did you what did you think about like almost like this naive, like she's a little naive in a way? Um, I'm, I'm still not sure how to feel about it. I think it's important that we remember that the books and the show are separate of each other. Um, yeah. Yes, the show is an interpretation, but it's it's not the book. So I'm pretty sure um, in the last episode I did with you guys, I trashed Alison. Um, I, I have videos on my TikTok of me trashing Alicent because she is, you know, what I would consider quite an evil character. And I know I'm, I'm very much like, oh, no one's evil. No one's good. Um, but she's the instigator for everything in in Fire and Blood. She's the one who suggests marrying Rhaenyra to Aegon. Um, she's she's the one sort of driving everything and turning everybody against each other. 
so to have that change in the show, I kind of liked it because it very much felt in the books that Alison, because she's older than Rhaenyra, she's quite a lot. Is it nine years, I think? She's yeah. older than Rhaenyra. It very much felt like a, a woman who, you know, she was cunning. She had this life experience of being at court and understanding, you know, all the treachery. It very much felt like she was bullying a little girl. And I, I hated that. For that reason, as far as the books go, I just cannot, I cannot get on the green side at all. But I liked that they leveled the playing field um, and kind of told more of a true story about this is what actually happens yeah. to women in that era or in this universe. Um, her dad's using her as a pawn to further his own ambition. Whereas, again, I feel like in the books, Alison was very much doing that for herself in order to, you know, gain power for herself. That that wasn't the case. Um, so I, I quite liked that. Um it, it definitely felt more real to me. Part of me feels like it's a shame that we've not seen that super dark malicious side of her. I was I was looking forward to that, but at the same time, I really do like that it, it's Rhaenyra versus Alison, really, at the end of the day. It's that friendship that's completely sort of been destroyed um, needlessly. Um, so I, I do like it. I mean, how do you guys feel about the change? I think, uh, I think the aging down was one of the best decisions that they made whenever they changed right. from the source material. And I do think we have a lot of time to grow into um, these characters becoming a lot more darker, which I, I like the fact that it's not like season one. It's not clear as day. I mean, some for some people, it is. If you read the online discourse for some people, it's yeah. cut and dry. But, <laughs> you know, for me, I kind of look at, you know, Fire and Blood as this historical retelling. And, and Matt, I know you have a degree in history, so you know how this is. There is always a narrative painted upon history. And this is Allison in the book is very much the trope of like the ambitious woman right like like she is trying to rise up and do these things and she does a lot of terrible things and she is bullying a younger lady and you know it's very cutthroat and that is a trope actually in real world history that we see a lot and this kind of makes you wonder and be like so how was it really like was it different was there purpose behind that ambition uh was there a reason why they were so cutthroat and I like the fact that Allison is a lot more well-rounded. I think it's a more compelling story, even though it is fun to obviously root against people that we dislike a ton. Uh, I think that the setup for season one and giving this backstory is going to be a really cool test in season three or four when we look back on this. And maybe we, we do hate Allison or we hate Rhaenyra by the end of the show looking back on what got us to this point, you know, is going to be a test of like compassion and empathy that viewers will be able to actually, you know, explore. So I think that that makes for a more well-rounded program personally. Yeah. It's going to be really interesting too. you know, this season one, not only did they sort of go with Alicent being like, she hears this prophecy that Viserys says as his dying words. And she sort of feels like, hey, this is what I need to fulfill this dream. He believed that Aegon is supposed to be this great savior. Mm -hmm. Then you add in like the the final episode, Aemond and you know, um, and and Lucerus, or, or right, or where it's was it kind of a mistake that that happened? It wasn't like necessarily the intent. It was just kind of a scaring. It wasn't actually trying to kill him, and it's going to kick off this whole war. So I think it's going to, as you said, level the playing field because as we as you as we've said, right, the books it's very much just like greens are bad, blacks are good. 
And here they're kind of show showcasing that maybe that's not the case. We also see some darker sides of Damon and, you know, is Damon the really, really the kind of person we should be rooting for? So I think they've done like a really good job of this sort of back and forth on maybe we shouldn't actually root just immediately against the greens, especially because one of the things that made game of Thrones so great was actually that we didn't know the end of the story. So you really could root for whatever team you wanted. Cause there was by the, by the time the books end, in theory, there's a lot of routes you could go in which Danny wins or the Starks win or yeah. Cersei wins and like the land. It's like you really had that. And here it's just sort of two factions. So I think they're doing a really good job of yeah leveling the playing field. Yeah. And on top of that, one thing that George has always done extremely well is, uh, you know, build these tribes but then give you a different type of perspective from said tribe. So a lot of people are not really big Stannis fans or they think Melisandre is evil, but we get Davos's POV from that camp. And we love Davos, though, do we not? We love Davos, see where you know, he's the best. Um, so now, you know, the Greens, when we say Greens and Blacks, it's not just like two or three people. It is a lot of family uh, and, and outreaching into the smaller lords and everything. So like, they're all characters in their own right and have their own moral compass and ambitions and motivations. And that makes all of this just way messier and a whole hell of a lot more fun to watch. Yeah. I think you could make an argument that the best, the most important chapter George has ever written is the first Tyrion chapter in game of Thrones. So good because immediately you're like, okay, the Starks are good. Lannisters are bad. And then you get that first Tyrion chapter and you're like, okay, well, I don't know. Maybe some of the Lannisters aren't all bad. And then like, that's what sort of sets the tone for. Yeah. That's a really good point. Yeah. For, for everything. So, um, okay. Uh, what, what, like, let's see here. What was maybe like your favorite, you have a favorite moment, favorite episode. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say that I have a favorite. I think, surprisingly um i absolutely love aemond um I, d I didn't i don't know what i was expecting um but I, I i've just absolutely fallen in love with that character um because when you kind of look at him closely he's the one supporting his mother he's actually the one who's kind of doing all the emotional lifting for the the entire family um but he's still absolutely psychotic <laughs> sure. um <laughs> And when we when we got that sort of final, um, you know, that segment with um, Luke and Eamon at the end, I loved that. I was absolutely because I think I've been I've been very pro green on my TikTok in the sense that I, I've tried to explain that point of view. Uh, I'm not saying that they're right because nobody's right in this, um, but I was ready for um, the absolute backlash of Eamon murdering Luke. And it didn't happen. Um, and the way that scene sort of played out, that vulnerability that you saw in him in those few seconds when he realizes what has happened, um, it just shows you how messy this is. Um, because I feel like everybody's very much walking around like, no, 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 we're right, we're in charge, we're better than you. Um, and you just knew everything is now going to unravel because a teenager made a mistake. Oh, absolutely. It's his fault. <laughs> he should not have chased after him on a massive, what were they calling her, a geriatric Godzilla. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but yeah, I kind of loved the way that he played that quietly arrogant character and then just that, the colour just draining from his face. Mm -hmm. um, 
so probably do you know what probably that's my favorite moment because I wasn't expecting it even though we knew that it happened we just didn't know that it happened that way if that kind yeah. of makes sense so probably that that was when my heart was kind of like oh my god yeah. everything's about to kick off because of this error that this teenager has made because he cannot control this massive flying lizard um yeah. it was almost heartbreaking yeah you know we were talking about like just the whole season i'm like man where do you end season one right because there's all these mm. time jumps all these time jumps and everything yeah. and now that i've actually seen it I, I think that is yeah that is actually the the best place but we were just sort of wondering you know man where do you like uh you know where do you end this what did you what did you think about the time jumps this is probably where i get quite critical um i kind of I get perhaps why they did it in the sense that I think with Game of Thrones, had they nailed that ending to the sort of same quality we've seen throughout the rest of the season, um, there wouldn't have been an issue. You would have had that loyal fan base who was super, super excited and they'd have flocked over to House of the Dragon. You'd have pulled in everyone else from the hype. Your marketing campaign would have just been nothing because your fans would have done the work for you. They didn't have that option. So not only have we got to draw these people back, but we've got to bring new people in and keep them hooked. We don't have the, you know, we can't rely on that word of mouth and everyone being super, super hyped up for it. And I feel like they maybe condensed it a bit too much. Um, I found it quite jarring that some of the actors stayed the same, regardless of how old they were. And then we had, um, you know, Rhaenyra and Alicent, change halfway through um and i can't i can't fault the actors for for what they did because you know they were all absolutely brilliant um but i did kind of you sort of started an episode and we're, i very much felt like oh my god where are we now oh alison's got a baby and she's pregnant and uh, right well what's rhaenyra doing it was it was very odd i'd have maybe liked to have seen it drawn out a little bit more i don't know if they would have got away with drawing that out into two seasons because like I say I feel like this was make or break they had to nail this and so and I, that's why I feel like they've crammed in as much as they could um because if you think back to Game of Thrones season one that was all very much sort of setting the groundwork mm. um to introduce people to you know what was going to happen in later seasons it felt it felt very action-packed I would say if if not a little too action-packed I did sort of find myself a bit confused at, at points oh where are we what's what's going on um so that's probably the the strongest criticism that i would have what about you guys i uh, i didn't necessarily mind them as much um but what i would say is there was times especially with uh lena and everything that happened there like i kind of in heron hall and the burning like i wish it would have been maybe two episodes like it almost feels yeah. like maybe just two more episodes in the season would have went a long way yeah. And to do that, if you wanted to stretch the budget, you probably would have had to cut back on some of the CGI, some of the action stuff, which I would have been okay with. Um, I do think that it's interesting that the original plan was to do none of this. Apparently, the original plan for the show uh, for Miguel and Ryan was they weren't going to tell any of the story. They were going to start where we're starting in season two. But George was like, you have to tell the story. So I feel like it was a compromise in some ways. Like I'm, if it was up to George, we would have had 13 seasons of <laughs> right. season one. You know what I mean? If yeah. it was up to him, uh, of course. But I feel like it was kind of like a middle ground. And I could feel that compromise in some ways because of the time jumps. Um, I do think 
like time jumps in general are just impossible to do well. Like I, I no one likes time jumps. I've never met anyone that like, man, I love that time jump. That was a fantastic time being jarred. And the fact <laughs> they did it multiple times and they kept the audience is a really good uh. sign. So as much as I wish that maybe it would have taken a little bit more time and had more time in the oven per se, you know, for a figure of speech, I do think that uh, they accomplished what they set out to do, which was get story across, keep the audience hooked. And now they begin the story that they originally set out to tell, which is cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, surely jarring. I know uh, a lot of the more general viewers in my family, my extended family that watch were very confused and were asking me many questions. So yeah, looking, looking back at it now, I think um, the only thing, the only way you could have fixed it is you'd have to move some events around which i and have certain events happen to older people or younger people or whatever had they only done maybe one time jump then it might mm -hmm. not have been as awkward it was i think it was just sort of the fact that it's like you get to episode 5 okay the the young Rhaenyra and young Alicent they're gone and now we get the older Alicent and Rhaenyra but then we still have like a young Aegon and young Aemond and then like two episodes later we have older Aegon and Aemond and, and so but so it's just like there's a lot of moving parts. Maybe you could have had, you know, maybe you could have had Eamon, older Eamon claim Vagar and lose his eye. Right. Yeah. It 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 wouldn't have been as correct with the books, but maybe you could show that. And then it's like maybe you move a little more hostility in there. And now it's like, OK, it seems like a war is going to break out. Oh, now he's claimed Vagar. Yeah. Oh, like. That might be the only way they could have fixed it was to just do one time jump. Fidelity to the source material can be a, a trap at times. And general audiences, uh, you know, we, we all want it to be faithful to the books. And that's that is. But that is unfortunately not the only barometer of a successful adaptation or a show. Uh, it actually goes way further than that. So I do think at times them being so loyal to the source material actually possibly hurt the visual medium in which they were telling it uh, just because of time. So it, it, that's an interesting conversation and, and it's a, it's a hot debate on how faithful everything has to be. But I agree, Matt, that I think in some ways if they had bent some things that maybe yeah. it could have possibly been just a little bit smoother. I mean, obviously it was great. We all enjoyed it, but uh, it, it's always fun to uh, point out things that maybe could have went a little bit differently. Yeah. So thankfully we won't have that for, you know, season, yeah. season, season, yeah, season two. So um, I know we just got a, a little bit more time here. So here's kind of a question, Nikki, what do you think? Yeah, well, this is may maybe we're entering a little spoiler territory here, but as we sort of look ahead with House of the Dragon, how do we, how do we, how do you sort of frame it together? Because we've talked, Jimmy and I have talked about this, man, by the end, <clears throat> like, half the cast is going to be gone and you have to like bring in this whole new cast, which does happen in game of Thrones, but game of Thrones is eight seasons. And this might only be like four. Um, see, I'm again, very, very conscious of spoilers. Um, I'm trying to work out how they're going to open season two, because I think there's a very significant event coming up. Right. That's going to feel very odd if they don't time it properly. Um, I think because of how harrowing it is, it just, I would even put that in as the opener. It's, it's that I would say for anyone who's sort of not aware of what we're talking about, I would put it up there with the red wedding in terms of, Oh my God. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm, 
I'm not entirely sure. I mean, it, it's it's a nice thing to think that, okay, great, they've, you know, they've ticked all the, um, I suppose, corporate boxes and commercial boxes that they need to, for season one to have been a success. Now they can slow right down and really tell that story because we've had all of our introductions. Um, I'm not sure. I've also tried to think on how would I, how do you end it? Because that's that's another thing. Where do you kind of draw the line and say, right, we're done? Um, and I'm not really sure. And that's probably why I'm not a producer. Um, <laughs> but I think the, the big one is, is nailing that sort of red wedding type event that I'm assuming we're going to see in season two. Um, and and that I think that will be the telltale sign of, of how they're going to sort of spread everything else out. What are your yeah. thoughts? Yeah, uh, Jimmy. Um, I think that uh, I, I just wonder like how much time is going to pass between season one and two. Like that's my mm-hmm. biggest question, probably because it's the one that's at the forefront of all of our minds. But I feel like that opening shot of season two has to be Winterfell. Like I know he goes to the veil first, yeah. but it's right. just like boom, Winterfell. And then we get to meet some Starks, some very important Starks, which is, in my opinion, one of the most pivotal castings in all of Game of Thrones oh. TV history. I agree. <laughs> Like it has to be nailed and they yes. will. They they haven't missed yet. Uh, but that's my guess for the um, for the opening shot of season two. And that's the thing I'm most concerned about. Uh, and then that big event that's coming, I think it would be weird if they stretched it out to like a mid season finale. kind mm. of deal. I think that that's a lot of time, but I don't know. Maybe they're going to slow roll it a little bit more. Um, also, I, I'm curious how many. I think it has to. Have. Yeah, I think it has to happen within the first three episodes. I agree. I agree. Maybe I that's the cliffhanger into uh, episode two. Like episode one sets it up, and then episode two we open like a cold open into it or something. Woo! Let's go. Yeah. I'm interested. I'm guys- very interested to see how they manage that. Not necessarily just how they show it on screen, mm-hmm. um, but how they handle the narrative of what happens and how it happens. Um, that's that's going to be big, and I'm I'm gen- a little bit nervous for it. Um, I think because of the little changes that we've seen, which I think have been really, really good, I'm not sure if that's something we need to change, if that kind of makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, um, last little thing here, do you, so season one introduced the idea of the prophecy of ice and fire, like a bigger sort of connected thing. And do you think we're going to add anything else like that? in the potential seasons that could be used as something to sort of set up other game of thrones events or something like that. Like, I'm not saying we're going to see white walkers, but at the same time, do you think we might see something like that or I'm not sure literally just because um, I read an interview with George R. R. Martin and he said he was very, conscious of not sprouting too many different branches um and spreading things out to a point where it just becomes confusing to keep up with says the book readers um and i'm just trying to think because everything is going to have to be linked back to game of thrones that's your kind of um you know your flagship i suppose um so anything they do i think they will need to demonstrate why it was relevant to that if that kind of makes sense. Um, so I, I don't know. I'm not sure what they would do um, or how they would do it because I feel like a lot of things, um, I feel like a lot of things were sort of missed out 
um, in Game of Thrones, one of the big things for me was um, when Cersei was talking to Maggie the Frog um, about the prophecy, they missed out the bit about the Valonqar. Mm. And that was a sort of red flag for me because I was like, well, that's the most important part. That's why she's absolutely, you know, loathe Tyrion um it's all it's all down to that why have they not left that in that was meant to be her demise um so yeah little things like that that were left out I'd, if they were going to add other bits in other prophecies other that kind of thing I feel like they'd need to link it back to Game of Thrones and I don't know how they would do that given how much they sort of cut out from the books yeah the one thing I've sort of thought and I still stand by this and I could almost still see it happening is I kind of feel like an easy thing to do. I don't know if you could do white walkers. I just don't, but I do feel like they're going to, they're going to try at some point to do something, whether it's to help set up snow or just tie it back into game of Thrones as they're beginning to create this sort of like Westeros verse. I think an easy, easy one to do. Um, I know the actress who plays Melisandre has said like, I'd love to show up in the show. I don't think we'll see Melisandre. I could see assassins being hired. I think you could easily bring in Jack and Hagar and that'd be like a blow Twitter up moment because we don't really know that much about him. We don't know if you can use faces forever or if they sort of deteriorate. We don't really know uh, how they work, but I think that would be one that would like really cause Twitter to explode if that's the end of an episode. I like that, using yeah. it to assassinate somebody. But I do sort of think that Somewhere along, somewhere along the line, because I was, I don't think any of us were expecting the prophecy of ice and fire uh, to be <laughs> like to to be an event, and the prince was promised to show up in in House of Dragon. So I, I that's kind of my, if I have to pick like a guess about something, that's where I think. Uh, I like that one. It could, be, it could be easy. So okay, well uh, I know we're running out of time here, but Nikki, I guess. Um, if, you said Aemond, favorite character. Jimmy and I have been on the on the on the big on our sort of big favorite moment was kind of the King Viserys oh. episode episode Ooh. eight. I mean, we gotta yeah. talk, we just gotta talk about that real quick. So, I mean, what did you think of of episode eight? Oh God. Um. So I I feel like we can run over a bit. By the way. Oh okay. um, <laughs> I feel like um. In the run-up to House of the Dragon starting, um, I spent a lot of time warning people, Damon is not a nice man. You don't want to simp for him. Trust me. Um, and I, I feel like I was right in that judgment. Um, and don't get me wrong, I love Damon. Um, I think he's brilliant. I think the last time I was on here, we were saying Matt Smith is going to nail this, and he absolutely has. I adore what he's done with that character. Um, but he made my skin crawl. Yeah. Um, and I was very much of the opinion, Damon is just out for himself. Damon does what Damon wants, and that is it. Um, and I feel like that was very consistent all the way through. Um, even still, you know, we could argue, how much does he love Rhaenyra? How much is it to do with his ambition? I still think a lot of it is to do with him trying to get power for himself. That scene as Viserys is, is coming in to defend his daughter and he should, he should not be out of bed. Mm -hmm. um, just as Damon is helping him up, my heart was breaking and I kind of thought, I, I've got this man wrong. I, 
I haven't. Um, but I just I thought that was such a touching thing to add in because the 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 crown falling off and him putting it back on his head that wasn't scripted, was it? I think that was mm. totally an accident. Just happened. It was perfect. Um, but I really liked that little softer side that we saw to Damon where he was kind of like, you know what, nothing else matters right now. This is my brother. This is the king. Um, and, you know, <clears throat> he's on his deathbed and he's still coming out to defend his daughter and I am going to stand by him. Um, yeah, that was just, oh, like goosebumps. Um, yeah, I loved that. Yeah, now that you've said that, that's that's definitely up there. Yeah, as one of a true, a, a, that, yeah, that was like a true masterclass in uh yeah. in acting it was just insane but it is interesting you know there was a deleted scene um of damon consoling his daughters right after their mother dies and they cut they didn't they didn't showcase that so they are seems like they are really filming a lot a wide variety of damon i think to give you this back and forth because for every moment that damon does something where even though it wasn't in there he consoles his daughters after their mother dies he helps his brother up to the Iron Throne. There's a scene where he chokes his wife. So, yeah. you know, <laughs> well, I think that one of the things about Damon as a character is that he's very concerned with himself and his power, but he is also very concerned about the image of House Targaryen and how he thinks the Targaryen should rule. He's always talking about Valyria and how they used to do it, returning the dynasty to its former glory. Um, you know, thinking about the olden days and how they were so much better, I guess. Uh, so I think that when it comes to Damon and Viserys in that amazing scene, I think it's Damon earning or not earning, but giving his respect back to his brother because you're right. Viserys should have been in bed. Viserys didn't need to be there, but he fought his last fight. He came down, he walked. It's this moment. It's this monumental moment. Honestly, in Damon's mind, I think that speaks to that Targaryen difference of like what a normal king would be like and what a Targaryen king should be like. And I think in that moment, Damon said, like, you are my brother. You are a true Targaryen. And I'll take it from here is probably what he's thinking. But I do think in that moment, that is like kind of where that bridge gets uh, built between them after everything that's happened. And I think it's because there's like this display of just like courage and will. And Damon's mind, that is because he's a Targaryen. And he finally lived up to that name. Love that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Very reminiscent of, uh, you know, Tywin Lannister talking about the importance of the name and, right. you know, how, how, how significant it is. Awesome. Okay. Well, uh, that's a perfect place, I think, to sort of uh, tie this up. So thank you, Nikki, so much for coming on. Where yeah, can thanks. people find you on the internet? Um, I am predominantly rambling on TikTok. Um, it's the same handle as you can see on screen, uh, at kale underscore EC. Um, I'm on Twitter as well. Um, I think I'm just at Lady Lannister on that. Um, so yeah, if you kind of want to come and pick on me there, that's probably the easiest place to do it. Um, but yeah, TikTok, TikTok is the main one. That's where you can find me. Yeah, and you also, the season eight, podcast oh yeah season nine well yeah so the um yeah so the season eight podcast you can listen to that um i think it's just g-o-t-s-a-r-s-8-r.com um and that is a full 10 episode rewrite of a radio play um or a 10 episode rewrite of season eight that we've done as a radio play um we've got a full cast um 
totally narrated um sound effects and everything you name it um and i am daenerys and some other random voices i'm trying to remember who else i am i think i'm osher and um one of Varys's little birds which was quite scary to listen back to but um <laughs> yes yeah, so we've done that and we are about to start robert's rebellion um in the next few months which we're hoping to come out in um autumn fantastic oh sweet so yeah. cool it's really awesome cool. Very excited awesome. that. Awesome. All right. Well, yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us. Every time we get to talk to you, it's so much fun. Might have something coming, you know, here in the near future. Again, you know, got to plan out some details. You know, Jimmy and I have been hinting at something. You know, we want to uh, keep that under wraps a little bit. But uh, absolutely. So awesome. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you guys for watching. We will see you next time. And remember that winter is coming. Thank you.